Welcome. You are listening to Ladies Who Genre, a podcast book club for ladies and not ladies who like to genre now and then. I'm your host, Morgan. And I'm your other host, Noelle. This is not a spoiler-free podcast, so if you've not read this episode's book and are sensitive to spoilers, please do pause the podcast now and come back after you've had a chance to read it. This week, we're going to be discussing Changeling by Molly Harper, and there is absolutely no trigger warnings on this book. Isn't that nice? And I think we'll actually talk a little bit more about that as we get in there a little bit later on, but I'm really excited to talk about this one. It is the most light and fluffy thing in the world, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. Yeah, it's sparkly and a little bit joyous and a little bit uh, spoopy. A little bit, but like just in the most gentle possible way. Yeah, yeah, it's great. On that note, I've decided for my top shelf pairing for this week's book to go with uh, just a a nice tea, a black, you know, morning coffee, not morning coffee, uh, morning breakfast tea (laughs) with some hot and honey and yeah, something warm and sweet and nice. Yeah, mine's pretty similar in that, oh, except it's cold. It's um, Sprite. I just went for a Sprite because it is effervescent and sweet and like settles your stomach a little bit. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> How is your week going? Is your sky nice and bright orange like mine? Uh, it is no longer bright orange. Every day it turns a shade lighter than it was several days ago. It was bright orange and then it was yellow green for a few days and Ooh. then it was dark gray and now it's light gray with like this weird blue overcast. So I have a feeling that there is sky still up there somewhere that is trying really hard to peek through. We've had a few windy days, so it's helping blow this stuff probably towards you. Yeah, uh, this is our orangest day so far. Oh. And uh, I, I can appreciate the sky's attempt to kind of get into the spooky holiday spirit, but it could you not. Yeah, for people who are possibly not in America right now, uh, the entire West Coast of the United States is currently on fire, basically. And it's not a fun thing, and we both live on the west coast of the United States, so we we judge our days by what color the sky is, how apocalyptic it is. But it kind of fits with 2020. Yeah, if for some reason it's horrifically on brand. Yeah. Oh goodness gracious! <laughs> I'm I'm ready for this year to stop being on brand with itself. Do something for, new. Give us a twist. Abby says it's December 21st. She's Abby's into astrology, so she's got like we get our astrology update every once in a while about what's going to go down in the, over the next couple months. So <laughs> she says December twenty first is the turning point of a two hundred year cycle, and I'm like, wow, what a nice solstice gift that is. Yeah, uh, and you know what? It gives me something to hope for. So you yeah, know, I'm cling on to that hope. <laughs> yeah, I'm not normally an astrology kind of person. I, I I think it's kind of silly, but at the same time, I'm like. I'm willing to believe in this right now. Cool. Let's do it. Give it to me. <laughs> Give me a, a a new clean 2021. Hey, how are your plants doing? They are good. I have I have nommed some of them. Uh, they didn't go on chicken. Instead, they went on to like a pasta bake dish. Very tasty. Uh, and some of them are still good and going because some of them you consume completely. You completely like the whole thing gone, done in yeah. the pot. Whereas like my basil, it's nice. I can just like pinch off the top. Mm-hmm. and leave the bottom and it'll just grow some more it's great yeah yeah for sure i used to have this giant basil bush and it was massive it was like probably up to my boobs and it was like three or four feet wide 
and we used to go harvest basil. It was awesome. And then right next to it, I had a sage bush. So it, man, man, did it smell good outside. Chris would just go outside and be like, I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just sniffing the backyard. (laughs) Right now it's the opposite. Don't, don't go outside and sniff anything. Yeah, don't. I haven't been on a walk in a week. That kind of sucks. It was like 107 degrees here a week ago. That is the one good thing about the apocalypse is it's actually cooling down the Bay Area. Like it is 20 degrees cooler than it was last week right now because the sky is blocked. Oh, that makes sense. Because it's also really cool here today. Yeah. And it's supposed to be like in the 70s next week. I'm like, what? Wow. That's great. Yeah. I mean, hopefully cooler temperatures also means less fire, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, I pray for rain. I'm like, okay, see you in November. (sighs) Welcome to California. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay. I think think I'm done with the modern world right now. Let's go back to the same, same. Give me that fluff. What's the uh, the start of our book? The opening line. One wrong step and my ankle would snap like a green world kindling. I, I wanted happy and fluffy. What is this? <laughs> That's a bit, a bit of a dark of an opening. She's on the run right now. And she's on the run to just go fetch something from her house. It's not like on the run, on the run. She's just go. She's running from the house that she works in. By the way, this is Sarah Smith. She is a snipe, um, which is a servant class human or a non-magical being who has been relegated to servitude underneath the guardians or people who are magical. And she works in a really lovely giant manor house in what I would say is Victorian times. Yeah, that kind of, uh, what is it, gaslight genre, uh, sort of like almost steampunk kind of. Yeah, it's an alternative history for sure. And they don't talk about... um, what period it is other other than they say that there's bustle dresses and the the way their manners are is definitely victorian but they don't talk about the politics of the world or how they talk about how it got that way in that there was a thing called the restoration mm-hmm. in which the magical people took over but they do not at all discuss how that went down or what the ramifications of that were you are entirely bound into the world of this one girl yeah and she does not care <laughs> no like beyond she wants to get stains out of shirts that's what yeah. she cares about yeah and so she has to she's running home to grab something because her mom forgot something that morning she's one of the few of her class that are allowed to live off i'm um, like off campus no out of outside of the house that they work in they're allowed to have mm-hmm. their own house so i i assumed from that that these the people whose house she works in which are the winters are actually really kind to their their servants for what the society is like yeah they they definitely give the impression that they're like kinder than some could hope for like Downton Abbey level where you know the house staff is not part of the family but kind of yeah. And I feel like Downton Abbey is a really kind of good mental picture to have of this estate. It's, Downton Abbey is way bigger. Way yeah, bigger. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> With way more family and way more servants, more downstairs folks. So this is kind of like half, half the yeah. Downton Abbey. Yeah. But the family is kind of the same-ish in that they, they live in a big society of people and they care about their society and that's pretty much it. But they also have magical powers. So <laughs> that's what's fun about this. Interestingly, they don't call them witches and wizards no they i think they call them guardians or guardian class something like that mm-hmm, and then yeah. like they're the guardians of the non-magical people yeah one of the things i actually like enjoyed about this book was they actually specifically went out of their way to discuss the fact that the guardians had a responsibility to the snipes even though they basically made all human beings that weren't magical into 
not even working class, like servant class. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, how how he would imagine Harry Potter gone wrong um, in that the, the, the magical beings took over. But they actually talk about how they have a responsibility to them and they have a responsibility to give them health care and a decent wage living and let them sleep. And like they they are ordered by law to treat people well. So I did appreciate that the fact that the author actually went into that level of detail. Yeah, there, it's an interesting mix of like trying to make sure that things don't go overboard into the levels of absolute terrible like human servitude. But even I, I don't know, there's something about the flavor of, you know, we're, we're here to take care of you. We're your guardians. That's literally what their class is called. Yeah, it's kind of patronizing. Oh, it's super patronizing. Like take care of yourself. I mean, it's definitely a time of servant class for sure. That's not great. In, in any flavor <laughs> but <laughs> but it, it, they they do at least try to make sure that they they are fair and they're healthy and they get a they get a they do have a minimum wage even yeah like they uh, it's it's an interesting not the worst but also not the best it, mm, yeah but anyways big world you know social political issues aside we are mostly talking about the life of this this 14 year old girl running to get the laundry when she has what i my friends have assured me is called a meet cute a meet cute what does that mean you meet a cute boy apparently yes <laughs> <laughs> I would I would call it a literal run-in because she literally runs into him. I've been told that like in storylines and dramas and things, that's one of the most common meet cutes is like you literally like run into each other and they end up like becoming romantic interests. Like that's apparently super, super common and it's called a meet cute. Well, now I know. Oh, that's funny. Now every time I see you, I'm going to be like, oh, it's our meet cute. You're cute. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, she runs into this handsome boy and they she accidentally knock each other to the ground. And he's like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. And she's freaking out about the shirt that just got laundered. It's going to be her hide if it's messy or dirty from falling on the ground. And I don't know. It's just a very nice, nice little meeting. It is. And also, he is obviously later in the book, like the second that happened, I'm like, all right, well, this is going to be her love interest school. This book, one of the things that I'm, I will say about it is it's highly predictable. Like it is so fluffy that it's predictable. Anyway, the boy that she runs into is actually like unbelievably sweet to her like he spends his he has a magic rock that helps her heal or whatever and he mm -hmm. he spends it on her and lets her keep it which i'm just like wow and she was just like wow so yeah he he shows his true colors like to a stranger on the street yeah which is kind of sweet and i feel like that's exactly the kind of thing where later on in, in a book in a story they would be like but turns out he likes to beat dogs or something like horrific but no but no, they just they just let him be sweet the He's whole way through, which is sweet. so nice. Yeah. Although she spends most of the book trying to figure out why he doesn't recognize her later. And they never actually close that loop. I just now realize yeah. that. Eh. Yeah. But there is a second I think book. more like being concerned that he would recognize her, not necessarily being like, how is it possible that he doesn't? No, recognize she's her. like, she's mad. She's like, why doesn't he recognize me? She's like, she's actually angry at it, about it at a couple hmm. points. Yeah. Anyway. Let's see. Let, do we want to talk a little bit about like how she discovers that she has magic powers? Because I've got to say it's a little messed up. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. She she basically uses her powers on accident once. Right? She's so scared of breaking a specific object in the house and the, and the object falls and it does not hit the ground. And that's how she finds out. Yeah. She's like, oh, don't, don't, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. And it floats. Yeah. You know, so that's like her first use. And then like you find out her parents have her on drugs their entire, her entire life specifically to help curb her powers, which have made her super weak and sickly and like under, under, not growth. That's not the right word. Yeah. 
small. You know what I mean? Malnourished, small. Hugh malnourished this child for her entire life for the purposes of hiding this thing, which in a way I get it, but in a way like, woof, that's rough. Woof, for sure. And and the, the family is kind of a mess because of it. Like the dad turned to drinking and the mom and dad don't talk to each other. Her sister seems like really nice to her, although sort of a spoiled brat situation, but definitely like everybody's really nice to her, but the family is definitely messed up because of this situation. And also I would, I, I do have to say like, you know, the very first thing you find out in the book besides she ran into this boy is that she's taking these pills and then you're like, oh, okay, this is what's going to go down. So that was not unpredictable also. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I didn't read the synopsis, so I di- I didn't know she developed powers. Oh, I well, as soon as I saw that there was other people that had powers, I was like, that's why she's taking the pills. Oh, interesting. I'm Apparently, also, I'm <laughs> I'm also the person that was like three minutes in and went, "That's Kaiser Sose," or I'm shocked at the end of uh, the Sixth Sense because I'm like, "What? You all saw him die? Like literally, it was in the first five minutes of the movie. Why is this surprise? The kid didn't talk to anybody else. Why? You, why? What? Why are you all surprised? I'm that girl. So yeah, I was like, okay, so Whereas, she's taking the pills. Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm the perfect audience because I I'm apparently all of that just flies over my head. So I was like, oh, she made the thing float. <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> what did you think the plot of this book was gonna be? <laughs> called I don't, know. I don't like reading synopses. I just like to let the book happen. No, I didn't read the synopsis before I read the book. I read the synopsis before I recorded this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but I I don't know. I <laughs> I had no what did I think this book was gonna be about? No idea. It's called Changeling. <laughs> There's kind of like a vaguely Victorian lady on the cover, so I was assuming something uh, vaguely Victorian, probably about a female. That's literally as much as I had. That's funny. I did have a slight advantage because I love this author, Molly Harper. And this is, by by the way, not her typical book at all. Normally, speaking of which, oh my goodness. So the the name of the, not the author, of the narrator, uh, uh, Amanda Ronconi. Is Amanda Ronconi, yeah. I was yeah. curious, like her name sounded super familiar. So I was like, okay, I'm going to look up what other books she's narrated. I must have listened to one before. I looked at her list, 11 pages of books that he, she has uh, narrated. Did not recognize a single one, by the way, aside from Changeling, which is this book. So I don't know why I think her name's familiar. But the names of these books... Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. They're all yep. like, you know, fang at first sight or falling mm-hmm. in love with a naked werewolf. Like, oh, wh- yes. what? That's a good book, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Like, she <laughs> definitely has a theme for the uh-huh. types of books that she narrates. And this book is not within that theme. She narrates all of all, all of Molly Harper's books. And Molly Harper's books are traditionally located in the South. Usually, I think, like, Alabama or Louisiana or something like that. And... They are usually about magical beings, so like werewolves and vampires and stuff, but they're just normal people and they're very sweet people like you. You like them. They're decent humans uh, who are also non-human. And Molly or Molly Harper always has Amanda Ronconi narrate them. And, and some of them are paranormal romance books, like where you're a vampire and you fall in love with a, a werewolf you find in the woods who happens to be naked. Yeah, we're going to read one of those. I'm going to put oh, it on the no. list because you need to read one of her like <laughs> static books. Okay. There's, yeah, it's fun. Actually, I don't love romance books at all. In fact, those ones are like, okay, I don't need to read another sex scene. But I do have to say that some of them are super cute. She's she's really famous for the half half blood hollows book. No, I got to look that up. But the ho- the the hollow series is is really cute. 
Okay. I mean, that's good. I mean, it's nice that at least her the- her books are in that theme of sweet characters. Yeah. It sounds like, yeah. which I appreciate, you know? Yeah. This is more YA than normal. Like, that's why I was shocked by it. And it's never in England. And Amanda Ronconi never has to affect several different British accents. I mean, I'm here for it. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, it's yeah, definitely it's- a young adult book. So if you have not listened to it yet, and you're kind of like waiting on our or say so to to consider definitely keep in mind that it's it's meant for young adults yeah it is definitely i i enjoy a ya book every now and then i do have to say that they are super fluffy mm-hmm. which is good but they are also super predictable right so yeah. that's that's the, that's the bad thing about ya there's like everything seems too easy in this book everyone everything seems a little too easy like she's like oh oh you're a, oh you're a magic user cool we're gonna adopt you as part of our family and send you off to magic school and everything she's like okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you're like that's not how that would go down <laughs> yeah this so something that i thought was kind of a fascinating contrast between this book and our the last one we did rage of dragons because Something that was kind of really cool about the the Rage of Dragons main character Tao was that he he was a nothing special person who worked his ass off to an incredible degree to and really to the detriment of his own like mental and physical health to become as good as he did, right? Yeah. Like yeah, nothing sure. was given to him. He was not the chosen one in any way, shape, or form. And he never got the magic because they, they hint that this is a magical society. He, he he didn't really become like a magical person or anything. Whereas this is the opposite. You are right. you are a, a rags to riches, servant to princess, practically, you know. It's literally called a Cinderella story by most mm. of the people who do reviews on it. So, yeah, yeah. it is literally Cinderella. <laughs> uh, and, and not <laughs> even just the magic thing, but like even within the magic community, she becomes, what is it, the translator? Yeah, like immediately she walks in the door and this book like adopts her and lets her read it, which it doesn't let anybody read. Like it hasn't had a reader in like, what, 200 years, something like 160 yeah. years. And so like everything's real easy in this book. So it's definitely YA. And she adopts two friends like not immediately, but pretty pretty quickly, and it's like a hundred percent. Even though they're all girls, it's a Ron, Hermione, and Harry situation <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you so, you yeah. cannot get away from care- comparing this book to Harry Potter. You have a you know young not not young adult a she's fourteen yeah yeah mid late child there we go young teen that's the word I'm looking for young teen <laughs> discovering they have magic and being like kind of adopted in this magical world and getting the sense of awe but also like you're the chosen one there's a lot of that <laughs> you're a wizard Harry. <laughs> <laughs> but in a way that's delightful you know sometimes that's nice yeah one of the things I, I read a bunch of reviews so what happens is I, I read these books and then I go read all the reviews on them to find out like if there's any criticism I missed so I could bring it up in this podcast here because I do my homework like two hours before this podcast happens. <laughs> um, but uh, one of the things that a, a lot of uh, people said about she uses tropes all over the place. Like she takes so many things that are in other books constantly but she mixes them and matches them in like sort of new and cute ways and it makes it refreshing instead of tired, which I totally agree with about Molly Harper. Everything in her books is stuff you've seen before. It's nothing new. She does not reinvent a wheel, but she shuffles it in in such a like sweet and charming way. Like if you looked at her too, like an actual picture of her, she's like the most charming. She's super cute. (laughs) And so, yeah, she just looks like your auntie. And so, 
she she mixes up these tropes in a way that that just makes you go, yeah, I'm okay with this. That's fine. It is it is such a a very fun fun read. Did you have any particular characters or things in the book that were your favorite or just the coolest thing? Yeah, I mean, I I really actually liked her two besties, like Ivy and Alicia. They they were super cute and Ivy comes from a family who's kind of like secondary I guess like not so yeah like respectable perhaps but not like crazy up there not good social currency to have as a friend as her auntie who is actually the person Mrs. Winter Mm -hmm. who has been adopted her as her aunt would say and Alicia who is also we find out been put on suppressors her whole life and that's why she is also small oh by the way Sarah at some point when she comes off the suppressors because once they figure out she has magic, they have to take her off their suppressors. They change her name to Cassandra Reed. So when she goes off to school, she is known by her friends as Cassandra Reed. And she has an entirely fictional backstory, which she has to maintain through most of this book <laughs> as a guardian child who lost her parents and is now in the care of her auntie, Mrs. Winter, and um, is trying to pass herself off in addition to learning magic to being the translator, dealing with a new school and a new love interest. She also has to pass herself off as this. Anyway, her two two buddies, Ivy, is is not like a socially high up person. And then she also meets Alicia McRae, who is his the sickly girl, who turns out is the sister of the boy. Dun dun dun. Yeah, you, you like a party or a tea, a tea function at some point in the middle of the book yeah. and <gasps> It's my yeah. brother. <laughs> I was like, <gasps> surprise! <laughs> anyway, the two friends are actually like super awesome. They're super supportive. When they find out that she's actually a snipe who got powers, they're like, yeah, so who cares? Whatever. You're still our friend. Yeah, and they have this really awesome magical mechanic in the book where you can like coven up, I guess, and you can like bolster each other's power by the power of three. Hmm, charmed. Um, <laughs> and so um, they they do do this a few times. And anyway, her friends are really actually awesome and really sweet. And they're not backstabby or jerks or anything like that. Like pretty much the rest of the school is a bag of jerks. But these two are pretty okay. Yeah. No, I, I feel like pretty much everybody is in the end kind of sweet with maybe two exceptions. We have our, our big main bad guy and kind of the only... I don't know, plot twist quote. quote, Yeah. Which is that the librarian friend that's been helping her study this big fancy book that chose her turns out to like be part of an ancient family of necromancers, like people who raise people from the dead. And like, I'm going to take over the world by raising people from the dead, I guess. Right. And these these necromancers had been wiped out or I don't I didn't really talk about. So that was another thing. They're like, oh, there's none of these family anymore. And then they they just like were like yeah they just pittered out and you're like hey, what what no that means that bloodline's still there and then our our second kind of plot twist sort of kind of not really plot twist but character that changes who they are what they are what they mean because everybody stays pretty flat throughout this I I wouldn't say there's not exactly a lot of character development or character change everybody no. mostly stays the way they are and that's that's fine that's fine it's a light, light and fluffy book it can do that but the one other big change is her sister who oh yeah at least on the surface is very like ah oh, 
I put up with you because I love you because you're my sister. And then as Mm -hmm. it goes in towards the end, she's becoming more and more jealous and upset and like you're ruining everything because you got magic and it's a trick. I know it's a trick. Like she's she's really entitled. She thinks it it should have been her. She thinks it's a trick and she's mad at her sister that that her sister didn't let her in on it because it should have been her that went off to magic school and got to She's in love with the boy of the house that she lives in, Owen, the the Winter's son, and she, she all she wants in the world is to be with him. And so she thinks if she got magic, then Owen would like her. And Owen is actually friends with Cassandra, Sarah, so she she knows that <laughs> Owen does not like her sister at all. Yeah, I mean, and, and it doesn't look good. Like they don't they don't allow the intermixing of these families. Of the yeah. higher guardian magical families versus the lower muggle non-magic <laughs> snipes isn't you're not supposed to mix at all that's not a thing so i think that owen knows this and is like i need to stay away from this girl who will not leave me alone right uh that's rough he acts all the time like he hasn't noticed her and he and, and mary's like convinced that he's actually in love with her like she really thinks that so she gets so freaked out at the end she just like runs away and then like it, her parents are sad, but weirdly, Cassandra slash Sarah, eh, she doesn't seem that upset about it. She's mostly worried about her parents being upset about it. But like, it doesn't seem like almost that mattered that that her sister ran away. And I, I did think that that was a weird part of this book. I was just like, what? And then her sister doesn't come back, but <laughs> there's a second book. So kind of wondering if that's going to be a plot device later, because if she has magic, Maybe Mary does too. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, right? And they they actually do mention that this whole situation of the snipes or non-magical people developing powers or having, rather, I should say, having children who show signs of being magical. Because this isn't Harry Potter. It's not like you're basically completely non-magical until you're 11, right? Right, Um, right, yeah. And I I guess that's not the case in Harry Potter either. Like, they show signs of, like, little accidental emotional magics but i would say there's even more of that in this world so like you know from yeah. a very very young age that a that a kiddo is magical so they mentioned that there's other families that have the same thing happening but it's very hush hush and the, the children get taken away before they can ever go to schools or anything like yeah. that Mrs. Morton talks, Miss Morton, Mrs. Morton, some, some Morton talks about the fact that she's never met it. She calls, she's the person who actually says the word changeling first. I think she's the one who calls, although the first, the first chapter is called changeling, mm-hmm. but as a use in the book, I think the first time that it's actually ever said is when Mrs. Morton says something about it. She goes, oh, there's been tons of you guys actually, and but I've never met one older than 11 because they get taken away. Yeah. Do they talk about changeling in terms of like the kind of uh, our world, you know, fairy definition? No, no. They just say it's, an, it's a person from a non-magical family who develops powers. Mm-hmm. We in our own human non-book <laughs> world have changeling as a, a fairy has snuck into somebody a new mother's house and like exchanged a fairy baby for their baby so like yeah. the, the baby always cries and never sleeps yeah, drives so, the mother crazy. Yeah, and you're supposed the mo- the human mother is supposed to feed and clothe and whatever this fairy baby so that the fairy doesn't have to but then I'm like but what happens to that human baby? Never mind, I probably don't want to yeah, know. Yeah, probably. Is there any like place in the book that you'd like to visit? Oh, I'd like to. I would love to go to the school. I mean, that library ri- library sounds bomb. I mean, I love to go to the house because the house sounds cool. There's only two locations, right? Basically. Like basically, yeah, yeah. The whole the whole thing I would love to see. I, I mean, I I like me a big manor house, right? Like yeah. <laughs> they're pretty. <laughs> also, the school sounds really awesome, and it's it's been there for a really long time too. So, Victorian times having 
older than that architecture is probably like done up pretty well so um, I, yeah you yeah no the school I, I, as you say they they really only describe two places the manor and the school um and otherwise it should probably just be victorian buildings they don't necessarily indicate that the architecture would be that much different than our own victorian buildings and what have you but they do describe that there's lots of like murals and like kind of ornate decorations like this is a big school a very spendy like luxury built school so if nothing else it would be like majestic to behold and that that sounds like a nice thing to see yeah that house has a ballroom in it i'm like what what's that like i want to have a ballroom in my house can i invite people to my house for a ball that sounds well, not right now yeah. but maybe someday <laughs> would you would you invite would you have balls in your house if you had a, a ballroom oh hell yeah i mean i have huge parties at my house anyway i mean I'm oh, I'm a I, don't I bought like my house that much. I bought my house Stay out of my house. <laughs> I bought my house entirely so I could have parties. Like if you if you saw the floor plan of my house, you'd go, oh yeah, you bought this house entirely so you could have parties. It's all open floor plan. It's a giant circle essentially, which gives people little nooks that they can go to and talk in. But it's definitely good for mingling sort of situation. But yeah, like I have this Christmas party every year that's like I don't know 35, 40 people. When my two besties got pregnant at the same time, we had a a combo uh, baby shower for them and we had I think 120 people at our house wow. and I don't have a ballroom so if I had a ballroom you better believe I'd have costume balls why, why would you be a costumer and have a ballroom and not but also I would have photography sessions is really what well, I would do you that. would fill it with balls so that it becomes a ball pit oh that would be, cool be your ballroom yeah that'd be cool too although swimming out of that you'd want a smaller room for that though because you you don't want to have to swim you know, 75 feet to the door through a bunch of balls. Well, but then that's where you invite all your friends to hang out with you. Yeah, and you need a big room full of balls in order to have a proper uh, group gathering ballroom. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do that too. <laughs> but if we had a ballroom, we could also have a bubble party. Like where you fill it yeah. with bubbles and run around in it. Or big old beach balls. That's fun too. Like that's what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. Just how many times we can shove the word ball in here? Uh, I bet you I could win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I would invite you down for balls and I would expect your yourself to be there. Noted. <laughs> I would put on my best ball gown. Okay, excellent. Would it be medieval? Do you have a medieval ball gown? Is there... Um. Yes, there are like medieval balls, dances, masquerades, that yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Uh, so that absolutely is a thing. But it would be just an outfit. It would be a, a you know a nice dress. Oh, okay. Kind of the same way that like weddings used to just be nice dresses, clothes, not wedding dresses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My wedding dress was actually just a nice dress. That's true. I saw pictures. Yeah, like I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't need to have something I can only wear once. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. fair. I think that's yeah. <laughs> very reasonable. Is there anybody that you'd want to like sit down to have tea with in this book? Yeah, Alicia. She. Oh, yeah. she She's like the sweetest girl, but also when at some point they unleash her suppressors and the power that she has is fairly impressive. I think her entire she, – she, she's on suppressors because she has some sort of disease called reverb, which I, I don't understand fully. Do you understand? What is reverb? Well, I mean, I know audio reverb where, you know, like the sound bounces back and forth and creates – kind of interferes with itself. So I yeah. imagine that it was the magical version of that. Like when maybe when she casts magic, it like – doesn't focus and go out the way it should or something and so maybe it like bounces within her and like causes damage it's just kind of what i've imagined they did not explain it at all yeah i think it's bunk 
just so you know. Like this is, I'm just making predictions for the next books. Mm. Yeah, I think it's bunk. I think she's actually just crazy powerful and that and and that's why they're suppressing her that the whole reverb thing isn't actual. I'm I'm just let me let me give you all the plot lines that I think are going to happen. <laughs> well, I, I look um, forward to finding out if it's true. How about you anybody for tea? I actually think that Miss or Mrs. Winters would be yeah. really cool for tea in part because she's knowledgeable she's a bit no nonsense if i wasn't a servant and she had no reason to talk to me let's assume that she had a reason to actually talk to me during this tea i would love to like hear about how her like magical plant society works that she's part of and just the social structures within this world seem kind of interesting she like, seems like she's got a lot of gossip yeah she knows yeah. all the shit that's going on in the town right now. Yeah, for sure. I do have a piece of random trivia for you. Oh, give me. So the author wrote, Changeling is the first in a three-book series I'm writing for my 14-year-old daughter, Darcy. Aww. I wanted to write a book that I could share with her without having to skip certain sections and <coughs> sex scenes in the other books. Or worse, not skipping certain sections and emotionally traumatizing us both. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense given the exact kind of works that she appears to make based on title and book covers alone, because I've not read the rest of her books. But based on those things, I could totally see why she's like, oh, my child cannot cannot read any of my books, at least not yet. <laughs> no, a 14-year-old could tell. I mean, I read Flowers in the Attic when I was like eight, and those books have like incestual sex in them. Like, please. 14 but I could understand that. a parent maybe not wanting yeah, that's true. That. That's true. I um, also read lots of very interesting books as a kid that I don't think my parents knew I was reading. So you know. <laughs> yeah, my mom know about flowers in the attic. Um, <laughs> so I do. I do have to say though that when I say that there's sex scenes in the other book, they're not that steamy. I just usually am listening to an audiobook at work, and that makes me very uncomfortable. If you know what I mean. But they don't also have usually more than one. Usually it's one per book. Oh, like you okay. can tell that she gets to the spot where she's like, okay, I got to write the sex scene now. Like, <laughs> and she writes it and, but I, I can't hear the word member anymore. Like it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, it's really sweet that she wrote it for her kid. And I think that's really awesome. Um, and the, the second book is out in the world and in existing. So oh. I, I, I thought that was kind of a, that's an interesting contrast uh, between uh, not contrast similarity between this and our last book which was also written for the author's child like as something that they you know uh, wanted to be part of the world and to help get their their kid into reading and something that they could see themselves in uh, and I can I can appreciate that this author is trying to do sort of the same thing uh, she wants something that she feels her kid would enjoy and wouldn't feel like weird about reading I. yeah but that last book had it that last book had a steamy sex scene in it. Yeah. That yeah, that was an interesting contrast in yeah. intent versus product. But we you know, yeah. well, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. Uh, are you ready to do ratings? Let's do it. Okay. What are what is your rating of this book? Uh, I always waffle when I'm trying to figure out what kind of number I want to give. I'm gonna actually go ahead and say it's it's five. Five little fluffy cotton candy balls of deliciousness. It's light and fluffy and airy and no substance, but I loved it. You gave this a perfect score. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or is it sure. five, out, five out of ten? It's a it's a five <laughs> YA novel. How about that? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was expecting you to go, it's five out of 7.1. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, someone asked us to rate everything from now on in poops because of the, oh, the no. elves book. Okay, you can rate everything in poops. <laughs> That's your job. No, I'm good. No. Um, I, I would give this, yeah, like a 4.8, 4.8 magic spells cast, I guess. Yeah. I, I thought it was really good for YA fluff. Like I was into it. So yeah. yeah, for sure. Like it's an interesting thing to rate it highly, even though like it's not, it's not perfect and it's not complete. It's so fluffy and light, but I think that's just really what my heart wanted right now. So for me, this was the perfect book at this moment. Perhaps that's what it is. This also has an interesting piece of trivia in that no, I, I do look at the normal read to- read time. So like I think it's Goodreads has a normal read time for the book. This is the first time where the normal read time of the book is shorter than the read time of the audiobook. The audiobook's like what six and something hours, and and the normal read time is five hours seventeen minutes. Huh. So so yeah, this is a fast read if you want if you want a piece of fluff and you're sick of the pandemic and you just want to like drop into a, a little kid world. For a little while this is the way to go yeah do you think this is worth a reread i mean it would be nice to reread it if you're going for the next book or third book or whatever and it's been a while but honestly you don't need to i bet you if you just started reading the second book right away you you'd get most of anything that you missed from the first one or like not missed but like don't remember so I completely disagree, and here's why. Okay, I've actually I've actually read this book before, and I totally forgot it. Like entirely, I forgot every single aspect of this <laughs> book completely. And when I read it, I was like, I wasn't even like, oh yeah, to it halfway through. I was like, I can't believe I've read this book before, <laughs> which I found really funny because yeah. So like, if it had been a while, which it had been, and probably been a year or two at least. I, I would say I would reread it again because I was not, I'll probably delete it again. We were sitting here before this podcast and I was like, I don't remember any. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how fluffy it is. It just it it fills your brain while it's there and then it leaves. <laughs> so, okay. Would you recommend this to a friend? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's same. delightful and I like it. Yeah, same. If there are other books in this series, would you want to read them? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in part, I want there to be more story it's because it's so light on content and story it you know it'd be nice to read a book two or three to help fill out the gaps not even gaps but just more i want the next episode it feels like the first episode of a show yeah for sure i i mean i already own fledgling i need to read it but i do i do think that they did a really good job this is just a complaint i had about witches of new york was they had all these openers but they didn't close any of the loops this one opened them in a very subtle way without being super obvious about it. But like the thing about Mary or, you know, there was a few other things in the book that you're like, wait a minute. They never really like talked about that. I want to know if he recognizes her from earlier or whatever, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And I bet you they'll talk about those things because they brought it up enough in the book to be like, oh, this is a plot point. They didn't finish the book in a way where you were like, damn it, they didn't finish it. They just, you know, left that little door open for you. So I do, I do I obviously want to reread these. Okay, speed round. You ready? Yeah, let's go. If this book were to put a magical symbol on you, what would that symbol be? And it can't be a dragonfly because it's the other book already did that one. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, you can't copy the same one. Uh, a magical symbol from this book. I mean, if it weren't so hard to depict and, and tattoo cotton fa- candy, uh, I would go with that. <laughs> but uh, let's go actually like a little sweet, like, you know, uh, with a little wrapper with the two little end triangle ends sticking out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I can totally picture yeah. that. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Okay. If this book were an item of clothing, what item of clothing would it be? Oh, like a cute little baby doll dress 
but maybe uh, extra fun with like little witchy magical symbols, like a little cauldron and wand and, you know, that kind of stuff printed all over it. The Joanne's fabric section in October. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If you could perform one guardian spell, what would that spell be? Honestly, I kind of wish that they talked more about the spells and the mechanics of it. But I, I realize that's outside of the depth of this this book. But I feel like the one where she she like summoned a was it a bull mm-hmm. and had it charge someone that makes me believe that you can summon not just bulls but presumably other animals as well. Could could you summon like an entire room full of puppies? Oh my because god, that'd be awesome. That sounds like a primo use of that spell. I would like to summon like a cheeseburger every now and then. Oh, yeah. but would it disappear once it's in your stomach? Oh, why you got to be practical like that? <laughs> uh, if you could change anything about this book, what would it be? You that gave it a perfect a rating. Question. I did. I mean, but things can be changed, even if, yeah. Yeah. you know, highly sure. enjoyed. I, I do wish that Mary, the sister, that there had been something more there i'm not sure what it is i'm not sure what i feel like would have been nice to have there i don't know if i want her to be more jealous and weirdly domineering earlier in the book Mm -hmm. or whether i want a better explanation for why she's not just boy crazy but to the detriment of her own health and safety and well-being yeah boy yeah i don't know there's something about me that's just like i don't understand that behavior so i wish i could get more of an explanation but maybe that's just because it's not me yeah true okay the question i always ask three words to describe this book i'm gonna go with i want to say magic but that describes literally every, every book. single book <laughs> because we love ourselves some magic um, we should have a blacklist on go- the words Oh, no magic allowed. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Let's see. I would say let's go with let's go with Victorian. Yeah. I feel like that's inherently a flavor of the book. Very tasty. I don't I feel like Victorian tastes like soot, but you know (laughs) what I mean. I did like how they described the dresses in the book. Like that that was cool. I would say school. Mm Mm-hmm. School is very important part of the book. And I'm just gonna fluff. Sorry. Yep. I tried to think of something else that was not something light and fluffy, but I couldn't. Yep. (laughs) You have to include it. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, Morgan, what are we reading next? Oh, yes. We are going to be reading Peace Talks and Battleground by Jim Butcher. Yes, this is a two book special. Uh, Do you want to tell them why? Yeah. So these books were actually written as one book. Jim Butcher wrote the book. uh, We've already talked about this. Justin Files is my jam. They were written as one book, but they said they'd have to sell that book for like $50 because it was so big. So they actually asked the author to like split it into two books and then fill out some of the sections a little bit more so that it would fill up two books. And so he did that. So the book that came out in, I want to say July, and then there's an, it's called Peace Talks, and then there's another one called Battleground, and that one is coming out at the end of September of 2020. And those two books are actually meant to be read together, and thank God they released them so close together because I would be losing my shiz about this. There was one part in the Dresden series where something major happens, like a character gets hauled off at some point. And you are just like, what at the end of the book? And then he took like a three year break to write another book. And you are like, I was I was hostile. Like I always got mad at people for being hostile at Stephen King and George R. R. Martin. I was hostile. Like <laughs> I was just like, I cannot believe you just did that. So I'm so grateful that he did it this way and released it as two books that were released close together. So that's fantastic. <laughs> I'm into it. So we're going to talk about both books together as one unit. And these are the most recent of the Dresden Files books. 
So if you um, haven't read the rest of the Dresden Files series between book one and book 16 and 17. That sounds right. Yeah. Then <laughs> now's your time to get going. <laughs> we'd like to thank you guys for joining us today. And we have a little bit of homework for you. First of all, we'd like you to rate this book on your purchase platform. So like wherever you got this, go over there and give the book a rating. That really helps the authors out. If you have the capability of rating this podcast, please do so. And follow us on Instagram at ladies who genre, all one word. We didn't talk about that girl that that hates her in the school. We didn't. There was a bully and I'm over it. Yeah, okay. <laughs>